folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism in order to find common ground that brings us together. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And today we're going to talk about xenophobia, immigration, the Constitution, border checkpoints, ICE, and Customs and Border Patrol, and about how the extremists on each side of the political aisle hold the rest of America hostage to their idealistic views. Ah, that's a tall order. But first. But first, we want to give a big hearty thank you to our newest Tall Bike supporter, Will. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, people like you are what helps keep this show going, and we really appreciate your support. Um, and also, we wanted to let you guys know that this coming Thursday, which is normally the off week in between our shows, there might be an extra special little goodie in your pod feed if you look uh, we will be releasing one of the bonus episodes on the main feed so you guys can kind of get an idea of, you know, what happens with these mysterious bonus episodes. And we've actually got a new slate of them getting ready to come out on Patreon. So if you haven't already subbed at the $5 tier up, please, you know, jump on that, do that, and you can hear these bonus episodes. Those of you in the Patreon, hey, there's more bonus episodes coming, so get excited. And uh, yeah, guys, just again, we appreciate all your support. That's right. So I think in order to kind of start this conversation, we should talk about ICE and Customs and Border Patrol. Mm -hmm. These are the two letter agencies uh, that investigate and enforce immigration law in the U.S. And both CBP and ICE have come under quite a bit of criticism yeah. uh, from lots of different directions for many, many years from the ACLU, um, journalists, the Democratic mm. Party, of course, you know, you've yeah. got Keith Ellison screaming, abolish ICE. Absolutely. You just had Cynthia Nixon run for governor of New York, uh, you know, abolish ICE. Bill de Blasio is currently running for president and part of his platform is abolish ICE. That's right. Uh, and virtually every candidate in the race, like we touched on last week, wants to do some heavy restructuring of ICE. So I think the Dems are are pretty good at messaging the what. Uh, you know, ICE has has structural changes that, that need to be addressed, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think they've been effective at communicating the why. Right. Um, so we're going to take a quick look at some of the history of CBP and ICE enforcement actions, and we're going to try to figure out if there's fire under all the smoke or if it's just another carrot on a stick that's trying to pull in empathetic voters. Right. And we want you guys to bear something in mind as we go through the, at least the next couple of stories. We want you to remember the text of the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. And I have it here. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. Now, that, that Fourth Amendment comes up in a lot of things. If you're someone like me who's, you know, very much so into the Constitution and scared of authority and, you know, tending libertarian and stuff. Uh, but I think it's one of the, the amendments that, you know, it's not as... It, it's still somehow not as sexy as the first or the second. You know, we don't we don't talk about it anywhere near as much now. We talk about it more in like, you know, the sixth or the seventh. But <laughs> but still, the Fourth Amendment doesn't get because the Fourth Amendment is the first real bulwark, I think, that says, OK, look, yes, you can have your freedom of speech and yes, you can have the right to bear arms and everything. But even if you are doing something that's kind of shitty. There's still rules about how we have to go about getting you, you know, busting you for that. That's right. And and I think off the top, one of my biggest complaints about ICE is that their their system of quote unquote warrants, 
uh, lives outside of the system that we typically process warrants under. Right. Um, ICE agents will do an investigation. Uh, they will find someone who has violated immigration law, and they have their own system to ask for a warrant. Yeah. And they show up with that piece of paper and say, hey, this is a warrant, when in truth, it is not a lawful warrant. Right, right. So that off the bat is ringing alarm bells with me. And I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen the memes floating around, what to do if ICE agents show up. Well, you yeah. tell them it's not a warrant, and essentially they've got to go away. Now, yeah. the average person uh, probably doesn't know that. Um, yeah. Plus, how can you really expect the average person uh, when guys in a black SUV show up completely unmarked and hop out with guns and body armor, yeah. you know, how you're expecting anyone to go, oh, uh, hey, that's not a real warrant. It's yeah. a little crazy to me. So off the top, I feel like we've already breached uh, constitutionality right. um, just by their very, you know, basis of operation. Mm-hmm. Um, but wait, it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So since uh, since about 1953, the U.S. Department of Justice has had a rule that says CBP and now ICE uh, as well has broad authority to create immigration checkpoints anywhere within 100 miles of the U.S. border. Now, a little bit before that, I think it was 46 or 44, mm-hmm. um, that started this authority and it was 25 miles. It wasn't super well defined. And then later we got this rule that said, OK, 100 miles. Uh, within the borders of the United States. Now, I'd like to point out off the bat that within that line that you draw around the United States, 100 miles wide, that encompasses roughly two thirds of every American uh, in in the country. Yeah, well, it also, I mean, it would include New York City. So, I mean, that's a major. Right, you're you talking know, about New York City. And you're going to get LA, you're going to get Miami. In California, yeah, right, absolutely. right. Florida, almost all of, I think all, all of Florida is within yeah, 100 miles. Yeah, all the big coastal cities. That's right. Um, so, uh, that you know, I guess the argument is that well, we can take a, we can do with a little bit of uh, a little bit less liberty for security. You know, it's always a trade off. That's always the tension and security. Right. So sure, we want to enforce our borders. The question is how far, how far in, and what do we allow them to do? So uh, CBP checkpoints look a little something like this: you pull up, they stop you, and they ask you, "Are you a citizen of this country?" Mm-hmm. Um, you say yes. If they believe you, they let you go. If they don't, they ask you for documentation. Well, you better hope you're carrying your birth certificate, yeah. your driver's license, your social security card, uh, because all those things are supposed to let them know that you are a U.S. citizen so that they open the gates and allow you to pass through. And I think I think it's more of like it's almost more of a formality than anything else. Like the, the idea that they're going to say, are you a citizen? And you're going to say yes and just go on through like that's only if they're in a good mood. You know what I'm saying? Most of the time they want to be sure. So they're going to ask for your papers. So, I mean, basically we've let them set up checkpoints. They, or they can set up checkpoints within a hundred miles of the border all throughout the country where you have to present your papers to go about your day. Right. Even as a U.S. citizen. And, and I think I I am not one to use references to Nazi Germany when we're talking about U.S. politics. But if you have got armed enforcement agents that that use unconstitutional practices already and they're saying papers please as they stop you at a checkpoint like yeah. i think that's a valid that's yeah. a valid parallel well i think we can at least say the optics are real shitty you know? <laughs> yeah, no shit and and you would think that these that these checkpoints would be limited to the southern border right. i mean it's not like we've got streams of uh, illegal immigrants coming in on cargo ships 
yeah. in New York. It's not like we've got streams of immigrants coming from Canada. Who the hell wants to come to America from yeah. Canada? I don't know. Um, but so so you'd think they're all they're they're all down south. No, yeah, in fact, I would say like you know with some tweaks. Uh, I don't even really necessarily have an issue with the idea of them being down at the southern border. You know, if there is, uh, you know, a huge wave of immigration that you're trying to stem, right? Uh, you know, in the border and at the border, you're not actually getting the job done, and you want to set up something additional and stuff. To an extent, uh, I I can be talked into that. Well, I can let's, find a let's place talk to about compromise. that extent for a second because I feel like if you're if you're setting up that kind of dragnet. Um, you're looking for signs. You're looking for, you know, a bunch of people stuffed into a car. You're looking for a van with with low wheels or something. Yeah. Um, you know, there are things that obviously you're on the lookout for. Um, but is it ever okay to stop every single person and say, prove to me you're a citizen of the United States? Yeah. See, that's um ever. I mean, I think, okay, so obviously there's a comparison here between a a drunk driving checkpoint and an immigration checkpoint, right? Um, so basically that's what happens at a, at a drunk driving checkpoint. Everybody gets stopped. The cop talks to you for a second, tries to ascertain whether or not you're drunk. And you can kind of see the parallel between trying to ascertain if maybe you're smuggling somebody in or, you know, or somebody crossing the border illegally yourself. I think the problem that, that really arises for me though, is that a DUI checkpoint is in effect for a few days. You know, and to me, that's a big difference between something being up for a few days to see if we can catch something, you know, with with the activity that's going on or commensurate with the level of activity that we're seeing and permanent fixtures. And down at the southern border, we've pretty much put in permanent fixtures. Oh, that's right. There's permanent fixtures everywhere. And, and so, no, U.S. citizens being asked to prove that they're U.S. citizens day in and day out. See, that that crosses the line for me. Now, you know, I, I remember seeing a case that was up in Maine. Uh, where they had set up one of these checkpoints and they, you know, CBP was saying that they'd had a lot of activity as far as like smuggling drugs coming down, uh, you know, 95 or, or whatever it is. Isn't that the DEA's purview? Well, it's uh, the DEA is involved, but you got to remember that, you know, CBP handles customs and border. Enforcement. And the so, DEA instance, also doesn't have broad authority to create checkpoints. Well, that's true. But what I'm saying is, is like, so if, uh, you know, there's we're afraid that like antique art is being smuggled into the country and we feel like we need to set up a checkpoint. It's going to fall to CBP rather than whoever it is that investigates antique art <laughs> inside. the. You know, but anyway, um, that actually might be ice. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, but so, you know, I heard about this checkpoint. And so, again, it's one that was on a limited basis. I think it was, uh, you know, a few days, but still like. I, I didn't really care for, you know, there was two reporters who like went through this checkpoint. And when I read like, you know, how they were addressed as they went through, I didn't really care for what I was hearing. You know, they said, quote, um, they were told if you want to continue down the road, then yes, ma'am. Uh, we need to know what citizen, what country you're a citizen of. The agent said the car would only be able to keep going if after further questioning and upon the agent's judgment, the agent is pretty sure that you're U.S. citizens. So, yeah, man, I mean, the idea that, that we have to have an interaction with law enforcement where, you know, anything can happen, you know, uh, maybe he's having a bad day and he decides to do whatever and abuse his power. And that's, that's in addition to the idea that as a U.S. citizen, I should be able to freely move about the country. I mean, there should be no restrictions on, you know, travel and stuff. So instantly I, I, I bristle with this. Um, however, it's like, 
you know, it's kind of like I said, in on a limited basis, if we're talking about short runs like that, I am willing to make the same compromise that I'm making with mad, I guess, when it comes to like drunk driving checkpoints. However, I mean, I still, I still want these things scrutinized and I still want them watched very closely. And I still have a problem with the permanent emplacements down South. Right. And I, I'm the crazy guy that, that thinks drunk driving checkpoints are unconstitutional and should yeah, be no, stopped immediately. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I know I, I actually, I do as well, but it's one of those things that, you know, principles and practicalities, right. it is a compromise I'm willing to make with people who have had loved ones slaughtered by drunk driving. You sure. know what I mean? F- so. Fair enough. So I guess you got to ask like, how common are they? Well, we don't really know. There's like, Roughly 170 checkpoints in operation at, at any given day, but they're right. not very forthcoming with the numbers. Um, but in 2012, Family for Families for Freedom, uh, that's a legal aid group for immigrants in New York, uh, actually succeeded in suing, I think ICE, maybe it was CBP, uh, for records related to immigration arrests at, a bu- at bus and train stations. Um, so they discovered that at one bus station in the Rochester area, Border Patrol agents mistakenly arrested 300 people with legal status between 2006 and 2010. Yeah. Um, that included immigrants with green cards and, you know, people with visas. Uh, it also included 12 American citizens. So you kind of got to ask yourself, you know, where is that line between practicality and your principles? And I got to say, it's not just checkpoints that this stuff is happening at. Um, ICE and CBP have very broad authority anywhere within that 100-mile radius. For example, two women were detained in Montana after grocery shopping on their way to their car in the parking lot, and the CBP officer straight up stopped them and said, Ma'am, the reason I asked you for your ID is because I came in here and I saw that you guys are speaking Spanish, which is very unheard of (laughs) up here. Mm. And I'm sorry, but... That's not the country I want to live in. Yeah. No law enforcement agency in this country should be able to stop you and take you from what you are doing for speaking a different language. Can you imagine yeah. if someone said, uh, I heard you guys speak in German over there. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's just the, need to know if you're here legally or not. That's the problem is you've given Barney Fife too much authority. You know what I'm saying? Like the I, I, what. You're you're speaking Spanish and that's unheard of up here in Montana and stuff. Well, man, like I I I don't think you have seas of immigrants that you necessarily have to worry about to the point where you got to stop people at the gas station and just ask them. Why don't we leave that to the the checkpoints? I guess if you're going to set them up, but like, we can leave it to the border in Montana. How about I, leave it? Yeah, period. Yeah. Just just leave it. No, I think I think the uh, you know the twelve American citizens uh, getting hemmed up uh, at the Rochester bus station is a big deal too. I mean, so. Like I said, um, there is, again, I'll say with me, there's there's wiggle room to negotiate on these things. But if you've hemmed up 12 American citizens, you've screwed up and you've got to redo your shit. Like, yeah. that's unacceptable. You know what I mean? Awesome. Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of you scooping up all the people with tourist visas, but, you know, I understand there can be various issues that could have accounted for that. But, I mean, at no point, how do you accidentally identify somebody as, who is an American citizen as not being an American citizen? And to me, if if that's the point that we've gotten to, then your authority is too broad because I know you had to be 
making a judgment call that you shouldn't have ever been asked to make. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you know, so I, I think, I think we got to point out and, and call back to the very beginning of the show. When I, when I talked about both sides kind of holding each other hostage to their idealism. And I got to point it out here because typically Republicans are the party of, of constitutionality. Right. For some reason, now Trump comes in and there's a wave of xenophobia and all of a sudden, all the Republicans are just willing to throw the Constitution out the window because Democrats are so bad and they're screaming abolish ICE and they're dangerous communists. Now, all of a sudden, these constitutional abuses, we can't even talk about them. But to be fair, bro, it's it's not about Trump. I mean, the Republicans have been throwing the Constitution under the bus for years. You know what I mean? That's that's the thing is like it's 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 what the Republicans say that they're about. It's it's one of the reasons that I will say that I lean right, but if you want to get down to it, the Republican Party in the United States doesn't give a damn about the Constitution. They don't. <laughs> Ironically, I mean, I'd say the same thing yeah. about about the Democratic yeah, Party. Yeah, and I, the Democratic the Party doesn't give a shit Constitution about the Constitution. Be damned, either. we want guns gone. <laughs> yeah. We want assault weapons bans. We no, want absolutely. this, we want the other. So I, I think I think we should actually jump into some of these cases to kind of get put a finer point on it and kind of illustrate what exactly is happening at some of these checkpoints at like a granular level where where yeah we're like straight up american citizens are getting are getting hemmed up so uh you know there was a guy down in texas his name was uh francisco galicia uh, he was an 18 year old u.s citizen and he was detained in cbp custody for three weeks all right three he weeks. is an american citizen i want you to remember that he was detained for three weeks uh, he was born in Dallas. He was going through this checkpoint uh, in Falfurious, Texas, on June 27th, along with his 17-year-old brother, uh, Marlon. Now, Marlon was born in Mexico and did not have legal status, uh, yeah. and he signed a voluntary deportation form two days after being taken into custody, and he went to Mexico and is still there in Mexico with yeah. his grandmother. Um, but unfortunately, Francisco, despite the fact that he presented at this checkpoint a valid Texas ID, a social security card, and a wallet-sized birth certificate, believe it or not, had that in his wallet. Because apparently if you're Latino within 100 (laughs) miles of the border, you've got to carry your ID, your social security card, and a birth certificate. And it's still not good enough because he was detained and held for three weeks, like I said, in CBP custody. His mother even went to the CBP. She was like, here's his birth certificate and other documents to establish that he is a natural-born citizen. And none of that was able to secure his release basically until CBP was done with him. Now, in the interest of being fair to this story, we do have to point out the fact that there was a discrepancy with Francisco's records. Turns out when he was a young boy, his mom, uh, they, they were in a situation where they traveled over the border frequently. And she was afraid because she was not able to go get a passport, her being an illegal immigrant at the time herself. Um, that the only way to get him back into the country was to apply for a visa in Mexico. And she actually lied and said that he was born in Mexico to get this visa, right? And so that popped up when CBP got a hold of him, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the whole issue. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, aha, see, it's not that simple. This American citizen, but he's got all this sketchy shit in his record and stuff. Okay, here's what I want you to here's what I want you to remember though. In order to find that out, they had to fingerprint Francisco. They fingerprinted Francisco after he presented a valid Texas ID, a social security number, and a wallet-sized birth certificate. Then they were like, hey, well, we still got to fingerprint you. Then they found out about the other shit. Right. So so what you're saying is that any citizen 
with all of the all of the papers that they're supposed to have is still going to be crim- treated like a criminal yeah. at one of these checkpoints if the officer decides it's it's your bad day. Yeah, I mean I I guess I guess what the ju- their justification would be that he was traveling in the company of Marlin, right? Mm-hmm. But still should that be should that give the authorities carte blanche to fingerprint you? I, I that's the kind of no. place that I don't want to live in and and I don't care it's easy to you know get excited about this because we're talking about immigration. I have strong feelings about what we should do down at the border myself and everything, but you can't you can't let that steamroll the Constitution. You can't let that steamroll the principles that we believe in in this country and override those things. If I would be pissed that a guy that a cop saw walking down the street who was carrying a TV got fingerprinted, you'd be pissed about that, right? If if they hemmed him up because he was he was carrying, just, a, just TV, for carrying a TV, so they were like, uh, you know, there's a good chance he stole it, so we're going to fingerprint. How was this any different? He was he was riding in a car with somebody who turned out to be illegal, so therefore he has to be fingerprinted, despite the fact that they know they know that he he is an American citizen, or he's got some really good fakes, but- or he's got some just <laughs> some killer fakes. But uh, that that wasn't it because during his. During his time that he spent with the loving CBP uh, and later ICE, yeah. uh, his treatment wasn't so great. I mean, he's not being treated as an American citizen. You're supposed to have access to a lawyer. You're supposed to get phone calls to let people know what's happened. Uh, Francisco was denied the right to make phone calls the entire three weeks he was in custody. And it was only after he finally got transferred to ICE custody that he was allowed to make phone calls, and and he ultimately got released yeah. from ICE custody. And, and relatively, no, relatively that was, soon. That was one after the, he got to one ICE. of the interesting things that that somewhat runs counter to the the narrative that we're being hit with with you know abolish ICE and everything is CBP looks looks far worse than ICE does in this situation. Right? right? CBP held him for three weeks, wouldn't let him make a phone call, nothing. He said he was denied access to showers for 23 days. Right. He lost 26 pounds due to lack of food, and and he was forced to sleep and stay in crammed conditions with 60 other people. Yeah, the entire time. (laughs) So now there's a a new story that comes out that kind of, you could say, kind of helps motivate it. But basically, from the time they transferred him to ICE custody to the time that he got released, I think it it was just shy of two days. The news, the news story came out in the middle of that, but like even his mom, like if you read the the story, like she was able to go meet with an ICE official. CBP was almost like shutting the door in her face. You know what I mean? So like it, it is a really interesting distinction, but here we go, a whoopsie, and this guy not only, you know, gets detained, but doesn't even get to shower yeah. for, uh, you know, over three weeks. Doesn't get to call his mom. Uh, because we, we made a whoops. You know what I mean? And it's just, uh, it's it's a little too much to take. It's it's so much to take that Galicia himself, uh, after he was released, said that the conditions he was held in made him seriously consider voluntary deportation despite his actual citizenship. Yeah. And if that doesn't make you pause, man, I don't know what will. Yeah. No, that that is. Uh, so they, they eventually, they hauled, uh, you know, one of the uh, CBP top guys, they brought him up before Congress and they were like, what the hell happened? And CBP is is maintaining that he never identified himself as an American citizen um, and actually said that he claimed to be a Mexican citizen born in Reynosa, Mexico. There's just one small problem with that, though. The problem is, is that the Dallas Morning News uncovered documents where Department of Homeland uh, was accusing him in court 
of falsely claiming to be a U.S. citizen. So there's actually a record that he did, in fact, claim to be a U.S. citizen. So you can't turn around and, you know, it's just, it's horseshit, man. It's a, it's, it's a crock of shit. And it makes me wonder, like, why these kind of, and granted, these case, this case was in the news. I'm not saying, you know, it wasn't in the news, but it sure wasn't pushed like the Covington kids. Right. It sure wasn't pushed like like school shootings. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not trying to, like, draw any parallels or make any, you know, value judgments about how terrible any of these things are. But it seems like to me, if Democrats want to fix the problem with ICE and the problem with CBP and our border uh, enforcement situation, we've got to talk about the problems. Yeah. And here they are. Why isn't Nancy Pelosi talking about this guy? Why well, isn't AOC talking about this guy? I, I'd actually, I'd, I'd push back a little. That's it because there are his story in particular wasn't taken and made the masthead. Right. But they are pumping out immigration stories like these. And some of them, you know, some of them have some holes and stuff. Some of them, you know, it's like, yeah, you're pushing a little bit, but this one is, you know, is the genuine article. Now, why, why aren't they screaming it from the mountaintops or whatever? Like I said, they, they dragged the dude, uh, before Congress. Uh, so Galicia, Galicia got released on Tuesday. The dude was in front of Congress on Wednesday. So, I mean, I'll give, I'll give it that. No one yeah. got fired. Do we know the results of that? Uh, that, that's what there's still like, we are, it is a very fresh story. We're still in the middle of that part of it. There hasn't been any disciplinary action as of yet, but I'm, I'm sure there, you know, hopefully there will be. And I'm sure that was just an isolated story, right? It's not like this oh, kind of, of thing happens all yeah, the time. Yeah, it absolutely didn't happen to Jomar Ramos Gomez, a resident of Grand Rapids, Michigan. You don't say. No, yeah. So on November 21st of last year, Jomar uh, Ramos Gomez, a former Marine and naturally born U.S. citizen, was taken into custody by Grand Rapids police after allegedly setting a small fire pulling uh, alarms and trespassing on a helicopter at Spectrum Health Butterworth Hospital. Uh, <laughs> now, apparently... Uh, is this the last action here? <laughs> yeah, well, apparently, uh, Mr. Gomez has uh, PTSD from his time in the Marines. The articles weren't real clear on what exactly led to that, but I would assume that he was having a moment, we'll, we'll say. <laughs> Um, but what's important is when arrested, he had a bag, which contained among other things, his valid U S passport. So during an interview, uh, police realized that Ramos Gomez, who, you know, like I said, suffered from PTSD had quote, uh, this is their words, not mine, mental issues. And a police sergeant sent a text to a local FBI agent regarding the case that, you know, was just very starkly descriptive said, you know, vet PTSD, not an FBI issue. Um, that evening, after watching a news report about the arrest, police captain Kurt Vandercooey uh, emailed ICE agent Derek Cliffman asking, can you please check his status? So I want to be very clear about what just happened. This police captain does work for the Grand Rapids Police Department, but he, he, he wasn't on the case. Right. He was at home watching TV, saw this case come across TV, and just hits up his, his local ICE uh, liaison and says, can you look into this guy? Right that before we go any further in the story, no, man, the the people who are actually dealing with the case, if they find a reason to kick it to ice, then sure, fine, you know. But on November 23rd, after conducting an interview with Ramos Gomez, another ICE agent informed Vandercooey that, quote, he is a foreign national illegally in the U.S. Now, ICE claims that in that interview, Ramos Gomez repeatedly insisted that he was in the U.S. illegally. <laughs> 
Passport be damned, but the guy's in the middle of a psychological break. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy who just tried to hijack a helicopter, apparently. So, you know, maybe we, you know, look at his statements closely. Well, it ought to be pretty obvious, right? He's got a passport. He's a Marine. Right. Surely you can identify him. You can find people that know him and love him. Absolutely. And ask them. I mean, you know, kick it back to earlier when the police sergeant that night sent a text to the FBI that said vet PTSD. I mean, they knew all this stuff, right? Uh, so on December 14th, Ramos Gomez pled guilty to trespassing and was released on his own recognizance. At that moment, he was taken into custody by ICE and held for three days until he was released only after his attorney got involved and, and intervened. God forbid um, you, you're too poor for an attorney, bro. Cause yeah. Grand Rapids Police Department issued a statement insisting that Vander Cooey contacted ICE solely based on Ramos Gomez's actions. So this is what they tried to pawn it off on. The statement from the Grand Rapids PD read, uh, contacting ICE is not a routine part of our investigative process. Rather, we did this in light of the potential risk to the public safety, specifically through a possible act of terrorism. Interim Police Chief David Kittle said in the statement, Kittle added that the investigation determined the officer used unprofessional language in his interactions with ICE, which was addressed with the officer at one point. Vander Cooey had sent an email to ICE where he called him Loco. He was like, this is about the hospital Loco from the other night. So, you know, Kurt Vander Cooey seems like not the best person in the world, but I don't want to get sidetracked in, in Kurt Vander Cooey for a second because the problem is that Kurt Vander Cooey has too much power. Well, and, and the ICE problem has is, too much power. Yeah, well, and the problem is that ICE has too much power, and the problem is that I, I don't want to hear this shit about his possible terrorist uh, involvement means that he must be investigated by ICE. Yeah, that, it's ludicrous. That doesn't follow. The man is a, is an American citizen. He was charged with a crime. He was arrested. And ICE has got nothing to do with it. If yeah. ICE is investigating him and right. they have a warrant, which they don't get because we've created this extrajudicial system that they play by different rules. But but still, yeah. like there were no there were no investigations into this guy. They weren't looking for him. This wasn't someone they had on paper. This was just a guy. They were like, Hey, we're going to go pick him up. (laughs) And and if he, if he committed what amounts to an act of terrorism, if he's got a U.S. passport and is a former Marine, then by Jingo, you have domestic terrorism on your hands. You do not have anything that needs ice to be contacted. Right. And the people who who would need to be contacted are saying vet PTSD, get out of here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So this is just yet another, you know, snapshot of the microcosm of of ice and how they're handling enforcement and it's 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 not police it's not fbi it's not cia it's not nsa it's it's its own thing and they're supposed to be investigating immigration crimes and they're not always and they're catching people in their dragnets um that have nothing to do uh with any of that right and i think it's unconstitutional well it's it's so keith ellison can you sell me an abolish ice shirt? Cause I'm on board, buddy. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's, here's before you throw the baby out with the bathwater, um, you get rid of ice and what exactly are we doing to enforce the borders? What exactly are we doing about illegal immigration? Well, I feel like if, if CBP, uh, or ice say, say we do keep ice and CBP, um, why not just make them play by the regular rules? Um, I'd like to see an ICE that has to get a warrant. 
before a judge right with probable cause and all the burden of proof so i know it's nowhere near as sexy but i would much rather you put on a i should have to get warrant shirt <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's that's what i'm saying like if you don't shoot for the moon then maybe people are willing to talk to you and find a reasonable compromise because i well, don't that's think a anybody good point. I, I think i think keith ellison with the abolish ice and 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 stuff turns people off that that might ordinarily listen people yeah. that lean right who care about the constitution who would hear this stuff and go these guys are getting shit on because they've got Mexican names. Yeah, there are there are plenty of people on the right. You know, like I said a minute ago, the Republican Party doesn't give a damn about the Constitution, but plenty of right. people on the right do. And I think you could definitely make inroads there. But but here's the other problem with what's happening, with what ICE is doing and what, you know, CBP is doing. So now we have these, you know, detention centers where they're keeping people. And we have these checkpoints where people are being asked to produce their papers and everything. And if you're somebody who wants to see, you know, restrictions put on immigration and stuff, to an extent, you have to support that. You have to defend that to, you know, at some point, if there's going to be security at the border, then there are going to be measures like this. Now, you may not necessarily support the way that it's being implemented right now but at some point people are going to be detained right at some point people are going to be stopped so you're making that trade of you know security versus freedom and all that stuff and it's a lot easier to do and it's a lot easier to swallow so long as you know that the person at the top who's going to be over all of it and you know overseeing everything like i, I don't know the president has a good level head on his shoulders <laughs> and isn't going to let that little bit of power that you give to these, these, you know, faceless organizations slip into like full blown xenophobia and Nazism and stuff like that. So as long as he's of sound mind, everything should be fine. Therein lies the rub in America in 2019, because mm. this guy is not of sound mind. He's, he's not. No, no, I don't think he's Don Donald Trump, not of <laughs> sound mind. Okay. So, on July 14th, President Trump wrote a series of tweets, uh, potentially trying to highlight a somewhat public feud between members of the squad, and that's uh, these new newcomer Democrats, uh, Ayanna Presley, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Elon Omar, and Rashida Tlaib. hope I said that right. I think it's Tlaib. Tlaib? I think. The I'm L sure. comes before the A. I'm just saying. I'm sure Benzo is going to catch that one. Anyway, so uh, the feud stemmed from the House passing of the border security funding bill. And of course, both sides were making critical comments of each other in the press. Uh, after defending Pelosi against criticisms and in, in comments to reporters on the 12th, uh, defending Pelosi, really? Yeah, no, he was, <laughs> he was defending Pelosi. So what happened was uh, at one point, uh, you know, Pelosi kind of took a swipe at the squad because they were complaining that the more, you know, mainstream Democrats had voted to support the border security bill. And then uh, Cortez comes back and she says, like, she didn't call Pelosi a racist. Oh, but she kind of did. But she said, it, you know, it's <laughs> every it's time really, you criticize someone, it's a black person. It's really weird on, that man, you're she... singling out these women of color and, you know, yada. So she kind of heavily implied it. So right. Trump. And of course, Trump is like, Trump's sitting Ooh, there. you're calling her a racist. He's eating popcorn. Wait a second. Nancy's not a racist. And he's like, I'm going to take this and try to ag this on and make it as big a spectacle as I can because it only helps me. 
Well, of course, that's, that's because this is this is the big this is the big argument of of you know Democrats overstepping or people on the left overstepping and calling everything racist. Yeah. So Trump gets to get in there and stir the pot. Well, to be fair though, I mean, even if it wasn't racism, if he would have seen Pelosi arguing with Cortez, he was getting in on that regardless. <laughs> fair enough. But so anyway, so Trump tweets out on the fourteenth. So interesting to see progressive Democrat Congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world, if they even have a functioning government at all, now loudly and viciously telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run. Why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came? Then come back and show us how it's done. These places need your help badly. You can't leave fast enough. I'm sure that Nancy Pelosi would be very happy to quickly work out free travel arrangements. Yeah, and so immediately everybody seized on the fact that he had told them to go back. You yeah, know? he had told so, American-born citizens well, and to go back so the other to where they came from. The other component of this is three out of four members of the squad are American-born citizens, and Elon Omar has been a citizen of the United States since 2000. Mm. So it's it's odd to me it's odd to me that he said uh these progressive democratic congresswomen because if you want to get technical about it he's open, you know people are are bashing him because the other 3 are clearly from the United States. But what's odd about it is I know he's talking about Ilan Omar and his comments later in the day would only confirm the fact that he was talking about Ilan Omar. But he won't say Ilan Omar, which is really weird because normally, sleepy Joe Biden, normally, you know, he has no compunction about doing that. So what is his motivation for painting all four women with the same brush? Xenophobia. It's, it's racism. It kind of populism. It kind of begs the idea that he's trying to get across to his populist base that there's something fishy about these four women. I mean, it's 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 kind of like the the resurfacing of birtherism, right? Um but however, the, the problem here is that he, you know, he's insane. Go, go back to your country. And yes, if you look at what he says, he says, why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken crime infested places where they came from, then come back. So it's not quite like he said, go <laughs> back to your country. But if there was ever a dog whistle, that's a dog whistle. That's a, it's that a is, dog whistle. It's beyond it. It's, uh, that is taking a trope. That's a flute. That's not a dog whistle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a flute, man. Yeah. You're telling people. That their country is not America. You're telling people who have who have come to America to be American, who were born in America mm. as Americans, that that they have other countries, that their loyalties are are somewhere else. Yeah, and and that's not okay, man. It's not okay. And and I don't think he'd say that about someone from Germany. I don't think he'd say that about someone who's I'm, I'm sorry, whose parents were from Germany or whose mm -hmm. parents were from Sweden or whose parents were from Norway or from France, or from any other white country in the world. Mm -hmm. um, when would he ever stop and say, go back to your broken country? Yeah. Like, I, I, to me, there's just, there's no other way to see it as, and, and racism, whatever, xenophobia, as ignorance, as, as stupidity, as, um, as unfair, as un-American. Uh, call it whatever you want. It's disgusting. Yeah. I will say, and I'm not, you know... I, I'm not even really playing devil's advocate here. I'm just mentioning, I mean, he has been shitting on Great Britain a lot lately. 
So the idea that he would never say to somebody from Great Britain, your country screwed up. In fact, I think he did. No, he say did it. say that to Simon Cowell, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he said your country screwed Cal. up, you know, yada, yada. <laughs> but regardless, like, you you have to know. And I, I don't know. At one point, you want to make the argument that Trump is, like, just so ignorant. But I would make the case that you have to know that if you're talking in this context and Omar is included, especially because, see, again, the whole he's attack. I, you know, I'm sure there are some people out there who will believe anything that you tell them and they're going to buy the fact that Ocasio Cortez weren't, wasn't born here because of that tweet. There, mm. There's a chance, but I think that's very slim. I don't know if he's factoring in that way. I think he's going straight at Omar. I mean, that's the only way I can read this. And he has to know that if he says go back, I mean, just those two words, if it's anywhere in there, that that is what he's drawing upon. He's drawing upon all those years of people telling shit, my Irish ancestors to go back. You know what I'm saying? People telling immigrants to go back from where you came from and believing that you're a foreign element that's going to disrupt the country. You know what I mean? So for the idea that that's not what he was getting at, which is the case that of course people in his administration and some other Republicans tried to make. Oh, sure. And I mean, Tucker Carlson's yeah, on TV that's saying what he's nonsense doing. going along with it. Like, well, no, no, no. Actually, Tucker predates him. So what's interesting is it's unclear exactly what in particular this tweet was in response to, right? It's of note that Fox and Friends had ran a segment that day about the feud between Pelosi and the squad and everything. And, you know, the man literally tweets right after every Fox thing that happens. So... <laughs> Um, but what's also interesting is the week prior, uh, Tucker Carlson on his Fox news show had said that Omar was quote, living proof that the way we practice immigration has become dangerous to this country. And he went on to accuse her of not being grateful, uh, for being welcomed in the USA and instead having undisguised contempt for the United States and for its people. Now I gotta, I, I gotta stop for a second because the entire Trump campaign is run on Make America Great Again, which is inherently a complaint mm -hmm. about how America is now. Right. So to act like Elon Omar, who is a citizen of the United States, is not simply making complaints about the country she lives in mm -hmm. or, or, or saying that those complaints are not as valid because she came from somewhere else before she was a citizen. Like, I don't know how you read that as anything but, but xenophobic. Right. I just don't. It's, it's, you're saying that that America is our people and you're not one of America's people. He said it right there. Undisguised contempt for the United States and for its people. Mm -hmm. She has undisguised contempt for America and its people as if she's not one of those people. Right. And what, what makes you a citizen if not citizenship? Tucker? Yeah. No, absolutely. what makes I mean you? What makes you able to criticize your government if not citizenship? Yeah, no, I, I think you, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. As strongly as I might disagree with Ilan Omar, I mean, yeah, she's absolutely a U.S. citizen. There's no question. She went through the process that everybody else has to go through. And to accuse her of having some nefarious dual loyalty would be terrible. <laughs> Which brings me up to Trump's other tweet and where this kind of it takes a little turn for me, all right? Trump says, uh, so sad to see the Democrats sticking up for people who speak so badly of our country and who, in addition, hate Israel with a true and unbridled passion. Whenever confronted, they call their adversaries, including Nancy Pelosi, racist. Mm. 
Their disgusting language and the many terrible things they say about the United States must not be allowed to go unchallenged. If the Democratic Party wants to continue to condone such disgraceful behavior, then we look even more forward to seeing you at the ballot box in 2020. So clearly Trump's plan, his strategy is to tie the Democratic Party to the squad. I mean, that's that's a decision right. that they've made, and you can tell, and the hell they'll even tell you that. And I think clearly Pelosi has made a decision to distance well, the to Democratic Party from the squad. <laughs> Pelosi, Pelosi is about to shit a brick trying to play the middle ground. She doesn't, <laughs> you know. But what happens in this tweet is is he brings up an interesting point, and this is where I think he he he's spot on. He's going for Omar because he brings up the comments about Israel. Right. right? Now, I want to go back with something that we haven't really covered. Uh, on the show, but she was actually, uh, it's not condemned, but, uh, what is it? The, the house passed a, uh, rebuke. I can't remember what the proper term for it is. I'm sure it means we'll get that one. But anyway, uh, she, uh, the house passed a resolution or whatever it is that they do condemning her for, uh, statements that she made about Israel. And uh, one of those statements, uh, she said that Israel has hypnotized the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a tweet that she put out that, uh, you know, they were talking about AIPAC and, and, you know, AIPAC lobbying United States congressmen and stuff. And she said it's all about the money. And the criticism. It's all about the Benjamins. That's right. And the criticisms at that time were that she's, you know, playing on anti Semitic tropes and she ought to know better. That's exactly what we're hitting Trump for right here. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and the idea, there's, there's two things happening there. On one hand, I see people giving her a pass and not giving him a pass. And I see plenty of people giving him a pass and not giving her a pass. Oh, sure. And for instance, when he says, if the Democratic Party wants to continue to condone such disgraceful behavior, there is an element of the Democratic Party that did not want to vote to condemn Omar. I'll, I'll give him that. But the House still voted, and the House is democratically controlled to condemn Omar. Now, they, they did. They played a political game, and they said, we condemn all hate speech. And right. Da, da, da. But everybody knew who it was motivated for. It was the best effort they could muster to go against Omar. But everything that applies to the way that he said go back, he didn't say Omar should go back. He said it in a very dog whistle way, right? Applies to what Omar said. And, and, and the people who can't you know want to act like there's a difference it's it's not there so while i do think we absolutely need to get rid of donald trump come 2020 we've also got to watch this this you know partisan death spiral that we've talked about so many times on the show and how it makes us blind to the same shitty behaviors from our own side right you know what i mean no i i think that's a clear that is a clear lesson from from the entire immigration debate. Yeah. If you ask me, not just this, not just this specific instance, but all of these things show us how blind we become uh, to to our biases, to to, to whatever it is, and our principles. when we're in our principles, yeah. when we're in that rah rah team sports mode, uh, and we're so afraid of losing ground to the other side. Yeah. We are so afraid of Democrats taking our guns that we'll look the other way on any other part of the Constitution. Yeah. We're so afraid of of the the right uh, will will trample us and and institute white supremacy that we're blind to our own party's failings and shortcomings. Like right. it's it's got to stop somehow, <laughs> or we're gonna be. 
doomed. Well, I'll tell you how doomed we're going to be. We're going to be to the point where we're basically having, you know, hate rallies a la Nazi Germany in the 1930s because that's what happens literally three days after Trump's Twitter comments. Mm. Trump goes to Greenville, North Carolina, and he has one of his rallies that, God, at least now we're kind of in election season, so they start to make a little bit more sense. But, yeah, he's got to go have his his big rah-rah popularity rally. And straight up, when he starts talking about the squad, the people at this rally start chanting, send, send her, her back. back. Send her back. And, dude, send it's, her back. it's I, that video it's gave me Berlin. chills. It's yeah. Berlin, dude. That video and, gave me chills that that many people could be chanting in an arena and have no idea that they, maybe they did know that three of these folks were natural born citizens. I don't know. Where are you sending them back to? Yeah. You yeah. know, the, the unbridled hatred that leads to that sort of ignorance uh, being brazenly displayed. I mean, I'm starting to question all of the coverage where we where we said, no, it's not Nazi Germany. No, <laughs> it's not Nazi Germany, because the. The further we go on this path, the more it starts looking like it. No, it does. And that's and that's kind of, you know, what I was trying to get at earlier is that, you know, we're people who try to see both sides of an issue. And, and a lot of it's born, you know, as we've talked about, out of just being contrarian. Like, if somebody tells us that something is a certain way, you and I are the type of people that want to say, no, it's not, and this is why. Yeah. <laughs> and so many times on this show, you know, people have said this about Trump and people have said that about Trump, and we've had to... You know, we've plenty of times we've nailed him to the wall, but also plenty of times we've come out and we said, you guys are giving him, you know, an unfair shake. Right. Maybe give him the benefit of the doubt this time. So now ever increasingly we're presented with more and more evidence that makes the country, at least in some way, shape or form, look more and more like Nazi Germany. Um, here's the thing. Like I still know, you know, I still see those polling numbers. I still see what, you know, 70, 80% of the country believes I still see the way the culture acts about Trump. Nobody really owns him. The only people that really own him, we're talking about the hardcore base, right? And so I think if you go back and you look at Nazi Germany, then those people are, you know, kind of like analogous to the brown shirts, mm-hmm. you know? But here's something that the people of Nazi Germany, or the people of Germany, I guess we should say, um, didn't have when they saw the brown shirts amassing power and when they saw Hitler amassing power. They didn't have an example like Nazi Germany. Right. So I still have faith that there is, you know, a line that we're not going to cross. I see me getting closer and closer to my line. We actually, we talked about this in the boiling pot. Right. You know, where you're, you're getting closer. And when I start seeing, um, you know, there, I actually, here's the thing. I can understand the case not to impeach Trump, but at this point I'm like, uh, you know, whatever. Like if they impeach Trump, that's fine. And for me, this rally, I would be okay with impeaching Trump over this rally. I shit you not, man. Like, if you have a rally where we have, you know, straight up beer beer hall pushed style rallies going on and we're yelling, send her back, send her back, you're no good for the country, dog. You got to yeah, go. Get you out. have to go. Yeah, you know? get out. Now, look at me. I, I have to be fair to Donald Trump. So no, after you don't. this... <laughs> After this happened, he came out and said that he doesn't agree with that sentiment and that he doesn't, you know, support it. Yeah, he uh, said, he said, I started talking very quickly, which he very abs- quickly after the chant started, I started talking over them, which he absolutely didn't. No, he I let that chant go on for 13 seconds. seconds. That's longer than a bull ride in case you were wondering. 
And uh, he did say, in in fairness, that uh, if that chant ever started at one of his other rallies, he would try to stop it. Now, I would point out two things. One, uh, he said the exact same thing about the Locker Up chant back in 2016 Mm. when that started, and we all know that he didn't really try to stop that from happening. And two, even if that is what you sincerely believe, Donald, look at what just happened. You tweeted that shit out on Sunday. And by Wednesday, that's what you got at a rally. And if you can't see that by now, you're no good for the country anyway. Right. Like, I, you should be able to figure that out. I, I think I think it's clear what he's doing here. He's he's playing to his xenophobic and, and racist base. I, you know, gloves are off. That's what's going on. And he uses statements like that after the fact to kind of smooth over the middle. Right. Yeah. The people who don't pay a whole lot of attention, who are just reading the headlines, get to see this headline where Trump says, well, I don't really believe in 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 the cinder back sentiments. So people yeah. get to go back to feeling and good. Then, and then they go, well, say, no, he's really not racist. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's really not racist. And, you know, his economic policies are doing great. And, you know, da, 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 da. And then there we are again. And, and there here we are again having to defend Donald Trump. And I <laughs> something I got to tell you, there's something that's kind of hit me like over the last 25 minutes of this episode as we talk about immigration and, and xenophobia and stuff. I want to pull back the curtain for a second. When we do this show with the positions that we take, like I said, contrarians that we are, um, well, I'll have like, you know, friends or, you know, maybe a listener will write an email or comment on Reddit and all of you should do that all the time. But anyway, um, they'll ask like, do you really support Trump's immigration policies? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. The problem is, is that Trump is instituting, uh, you know, his immigration policy and it's, it's fulfilling this segment of the things that I would like to see happen. And in other places it's egregiously screwed up and I, I don't want to do that at all. Right. Like today with ICE and, and CBP with ICE and CBP. And then when I look at the left, well, they don't really have an answer that fits me either. So right. when I, when we go through these various issues, whether it's uh, you know, Trump's economic policies or whether it's uh, you know, people baking cakes or any of the episodes that we've done in cells, our main job is twofold. The job is, is firsthand To help you guys realize that there is a way that if you have concerns about immigration, some of the things that Donald Trump is doing might allay those concerns. Mm -hmm. And then you have to weigh it against your other option, right? Right. Well, your other option is what the left is offering. And and on immigration, they're not allaying any concerns. (laughs) Right. Uh, The total opposite, in fact. You're in some extremes, you're going to the point where where you're scaring people on the right. Um, which, you know, valid or not, it's what's happening. Right. So our point in making these critiques and highlighting these contradictions or these hypocrisies and all this stuff is to not only help humanize the people who think differently than you do, but also kind of starkly put into your guys' space that we need more than two options, right? Because I can't get 100% of what I want through Trump, and I can't get 100% of what I want through Democrats, but if I had multiple options, I could get a hell of a we lot closer. We could get closer. closer. I mean, right now, it's looking like 10% that I want and 90 <laughs> that I don't, and right. 10% that I want and 90 that I don't on right. either side. So you're being asked to make a really difficult decision. And and don't get me wrong. In this case, it's not a difficult decision. Yeah. I, I'd almost vote in Stalin over Trump. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, not yeah. really, but, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, like you said, you would you you'll bite the bullet and you'll vote Warren, which yeah. is so far outside of your range of principles. Yeah, I could, <laughs> dude, I could shit on Warren for days, but Trump has to go. But that's you know that's one of the things that like uh, you know another critique that I think that we take is is the whole idea about like false equivalency, right? 
well, when you guys excuse Trump and bring up bad things that the Democrats do, uh, you're giving cover for Trump and you're also putting the Democrats down. Mm. And then, you know, what if people vote against the Democrats because of the things you said? And then Trump gets, you know, here's the thing. We're not deprioritizing the threat of Trump or deprioritizing the issues with the left. What we're doing is prioritizing the fact that we need more choices. Right. That's what we're trying to highlight on this show. And immigration is one of those issues that like so clearly, so beautifully snaps it into focus to kind of, you know, give you an idea of what we're going for. I right. I mean, I, I think we need a candidate. I, I've said it many times before. I'm too far left for the right and I'm too far right for the left. Yeah. And it's exactly on issues like immigration. It's it's on Im- issues like abortion. Yeah. It's on issues like guns. It's on all of these wedge issues that we ping pong back and forth on and and that they chase, you know, for votes. Yeah. Um, if we had some viable people in the center on these wedge issues, I think we'd end up with a lot more people having decent representation. Uh, and I don't know how we get there. Uh, I think this show is part of that, right? Like you said, yeah. opening people's minds, approaching it from a human standpoint, because as, as we get closer and closer to, to acting like animals and calling each other animals, then we're, we start behaving like animals. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy at some point, yeah, right? Like yeah. you call someone, you call someone names long enough and you call someone evil long enough Pretty soon they start acting evil because why not? You're calling him evil. I mean, you tell your kid he's a shithead. He's going to act like a shithead. You yeah, know, you call no, him a absolutely. shithead every day. He's going to yeah. end up acting like a shithead. And I think as a society, as a culture, as a country, um, I think that's where we're, all, we're, where we're at right now. We're yeah. in the midst of this self-fulfilling prophecy where, where everyone wants to have this enemy just clearly defined and, and, and you know, in the crosshairs ready for attack. And it's just not that easy. Yeah. And I, you know, back to the boiling so, pot, man. So, you know, people, people on the right, I'm sorry, but you know, this, this shit we talked about today, this, this, this can't happen. This can't happen. We can't have rallies where people are chanting center back. We can't have a president that feels like he needs to personally attack other members of government through Twitter. And we most certainly can't have American citizens not being able to make a phone call or shower for 23 fucking days Uh, just because some people are worried about people coming over the border. I have that concern too, but I'm not going to give away the the whole goddamn hen house in order to secure those liberties. Mm. And, you know, left, I'm sure that we've talked about it before. And on a future episode, we'll talk about your shitty immigration policies too. (laughs) But, you know, I think, I think that kind of does it for today. Uh, you had mentioned something about shitheads, and if there was ever a better kick over to Beans, I don't know what it is. <laughs> beans, what you got for us today? Oh, that's funny, Theory. If you're done stumbling through justifying your Nazi apologism, I'll make this short and sweet. Only reason I even came today is to thank Will. Will, I appreciate you supporting me. It was very important that you... And all the other patrons understand that before I do what I'm about to do. Ladies and gentlemen, after reading the latest news stories about Bernie Sanders' campaign woes in regards to paying his staff, I was forced to reflect on my situation on this show. Despite seeing no increase in my pay, nor being presented opportunity to renegotiate my contract, I have appeared on eight bonus episodes to date. When factored in with the hours I already work, that means I'm being paid far less than the agreed-upon rate. That situation is untenable, gentlemen. 
and I hereby notify you that I'm officially on strike until you two are willing to meet my new terms. I say good day to you, sirs. I never yeah, thought but I'd beans, see the day. Gotta... I said good day. Oh. All right. Beans, man, you're being dumb. I mean, that's... that's... Yeah, that's outrageous. Plus, I, I'll give you a 200% raise right now. Yeah, absolutely. We'll give you 200 because you're not making anything because nobody's really <laughs> making anything. So, sure, man, you can have a... Okay. Anyway, hey, no beans for a little while. I'm excited. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good thing. Uh, there is something I wanted to talk to you today. I'm real excited uh, about this. Um, Sitting on the outline. Yeah, no, it's not on the outline. Um, so there's a new album coming out. It's called Lover yes. uh, by Taylor Swift. And I've heard some of the singles. And uh-huh. I got to tell you, man, I think uh, I think she needs to calm down. Uh, have you listened to this shit? What, what are you saying, man? I'm saying that maybe an archer should go ahead and just, you know, put an arrow through that puppy because it's uh, it's bad. Bro, come on. It is uh, It is pretty bad, man. Maybe I was just listening to it too loud. You know what I think? What's that? I think you just need to take several seats and then try to restore the peace and control your urges to scream about all the people you hate. You you just you you had that ready. You were you were ready to go with that in in your brain. Damn. Hey folks, it's Sense, one third of the Sense and Theory Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, check us out at senseandtheorypodcast.com where you'll find links to all our social media. You can reach out to us on Facebook, argue with us on Twitter, or send us an angry email. But just knowing you guys are out there keeps us going. If you really enjoy the show, hit up patreon.com slash senseandtheory and chip in a buck or two for coffee, beer, and this server bill that keeps going up with every subscriber we get. Even if you can't afford to give your monetary support, we'll be here cutting through the bias and extremism to try and find some common ground about things that matter.